we have started. It is the word faith, volume two. The word faith, volume two. I just want to make sure that this word is get, giving you clarity and understanding. Am I sure of that? Uh, uh, I didn't hear you. Can I say you're getting understanding and clarity? Is it making a difference? Amen. Praise the Lord. So the word, faith, volume two. We're trying to understand the various shades of meaning of the word faith in the Bible. Is that correct? Message number one. This is volume two. Message number one. The word faith in the New Testament. That's part five. Of course, you, you, I've, I've told you what we are doing in this study, is that the word faith can be confusing based on the various ways they are it's used in the Bible. Many people think that that word faith means one and the same thing in the Bible. It's not so. Amen? And because of that, there have been so much conflict and controversies, unnecessary controversy. And these conflicts and controversies have led to misunderstanding, have led to abuses, have led to uh, failure for people to really walk in faith and uh, understand all that God has for them. And so we began to see that there are various shades of meaning of that word faith, both in the original languages of the Bible and in the English language of the Bible even in the various vernacular uh, translations that you can find the Bible. And the point is that we saw in the Old Testament, there are two words, that, that the word faith is used both in the noun and in the verb form. Is that correct? And that's one of the things about the word faith. That's a noun form, that's a verb form. Both of them are used. But in the Old Testament, the noun form is used like only once in the Old Testament. Right? Uh, several other places in the Old Testament is used in the verb form. What is the noun form? Faith. What is the verb form? Believe or to believe. Is that correct? Huh? Amen. So, in the Old Testament way, it's used mostly in the verb form. There are two ways it's used. One is a man or from where we get a man, meaning standing firm. Standing firm on the word of God. When God speaks his word, you stand firm in order to confirm what? Are you all paying attention? In order to confirm what God says. That's one way it's used in the Old Testament. And that's also used in that sense in the New Testament. Uh, and, and that's why when God, when we speak the word of God, especially in prayer, the rest of us, one person leading, the rest of us, we say what? Amen. Meaning God has said it, so be it. In that way, you are standing firm to confirm what God's word says. Why? Because you've seen in it some spiritual realities. You've seen in the Word of God uh, things like His purposes, His plans, and provisions. And the way to respond to it is by saying what? Amen. It, it, somebody give me Second Corinthians. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So before that, comes, that, that scripture comes up, that's one way that faith, word, to believe, or faith is used in the Old Testament. Okay. Another way it's used is, is emuna. And that means faithfulness. The faithfulness of God as a part of the character of God. God is somebody who doesn't fail, who doesn't change. Are you following? He stands by what he says. 
And what does he expect from his people? For his people to recognize him in that way. And when you reckon with God in that way, he, he counts you righteous. That's what Abraham did. And that's the first thing. He wants us to reckon him in that way. But another thing he wants us to do is also for us to take out of that character and apply to ourselves and be that kind of person also. Somebody who does not change, who stands firm, who stands the same. Amen? Did, did I have the second Corinthians uh, chapter 1? Second Corinthians chapter 1. Let me show you how that uh, uh, amen principle from the Old Testament, even the New, operates. Amen? See, because when you say amen to God's word, you are believing. Is that true? And you say amen not only in words, with your atti attitude. Are you following? You're persuaded that what God said is true. That's your attitude. You say amen with your word. How else do you say amen to make it believing? With your action. Do you know you can say amen by, with your action? Eh? That's, the full, that's the completion of your amen. Your amen starts in your heart. Eh? Then you speak it forth, amen, and then you act on it. Go to verse 20. Go to verse 20. Amen? Quickly. Quickly. The time is flying now. For as many as are the promises of God in him, that's in Jesus Christ, they are what? Yes. When, you see, every promise God made, he used the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus, among other things, is God saying yes to all the promises he had made before. He converts those promises from promises. He converts them to what? Facts. Huh? Amen. And what happens after? What's our own part? Therefore, also through him, Jesus, is our what? Amen. To the glory of God. That's our belief. Our amen in our attitude, our amen by our words, our amen by what? Our action. When God speaks and you act on it, you are saying amen. And that's the way to believe. So that's what they use it in the Old Testament in those days. They use so be it. Let it be so. Hallelujah. Then we come to the New Testament. You know all the things about which we said about faith in the New Testament. It occurs in many, 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 many times in both the noun form and in the what? The verb form. The Greek word is pist. The root Greek is pist. P-I-S-T. Then faith is pistis. And belief is pisteo. So they are joined together at the hips. Faith is what? Pistis. Uh, to believe is pisteo. Another word that can be used for faith in the New Testament is the word, uh, 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 you know, like persuaded. Persuasion. Peito in the Greek. But I don't want to get too much into that. But here's what we have been saying, that there are even many more shades of meaning of the word faith in the New Testament. We're going to deal with at least four. How many have we dealt with so far? Anybody counting? How many have we dealt with in the New Testament, the shades of meaning? How many? Give me the number. Two. The thing is that one was broken into two. Okay? The first one was faith as a religious vocation. Like being in the faith. Is that correct? I, we gave only a few scriptures for that. We, I didn't want to spend too much time on that. That's faith as a place where you belong. Huh? If you're a Christian and you continue to be a Christian, you are where? In the what? In the faith. If the person backlides, it said that they are no longer in the faith. Are you following all right. The second one was faith as a what? 
as a fruit of the Spirit, meaning faith as a what? A character attribute, first of God and then of his people. Remember that was also in the Old Testament. Is that correct? Huh? So it's, it's faith as a kingdom character, a Christian character, an attribute of personality. Whose personality? First God and then the believer. And this attribute is one that says that the person can be counted on. The person is reliable. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Huh? The, the, the person is dependable. The person says what he means, and he means what he what says. It's a person you can count on him. He's as good as his word. Are you all listening? Huh? If there's adversity or no adversity, he stands firm in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he's a part of TLC, he's a member when things are going well. When things are not going well, he stands firm still in TLC. Are you all hearing me? Because I, I think we teach here and say, Pastor can teach. Pastor has the word. Pastor, the, But when it comes to acting, the people who come out here to stand and give testimony are the first to blow your mind. Oh, you didn't like what I said. I, am I the only one who's observing that? Huh? Okay. Oh, I have grown in TLC. I have learned in TLC and all that. And they're all good testimonies and they are truthful testimonies. Are you hearing me? But then, when it comes to acting, what we testify, there is a gap. That's not faithfulness. You didn't hear me. I said that is not what? Faithfulness. You know why God is faithful? Even when you blow it, he's with you. He can put you through fire, but he said, I'm here with you. Are you is anybody following People are quick to abandon where they are blessed, where they are received, where they loved, where people love them. There's no faithfulness there. You, have you noticed that's why people are in and out of marriage? It's because there's a lack of faithfulness. Oh, you see them on the wedding day. They're walking like they don't go to the toilet. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Every, everybody's waiting. An event, a walkthrough that will last for five minutes will take 30 minutes. Then let one spouse lose their job. Marriage is over. There is no faithfulness. And listen to me. Can I say something? God does not expect faithfulness from the world. Where does he expect it? In church. So if you're a believer, you better shape up. So this faith, faith as a what? A fruit of the Spirit. Are you listening to me? It's more appropriately called what? Faithfulness. Can I move on to another one? You can't wait for the other one. And this faithfulness has two sides. Is that correct? Of course, it's expected of God and it's expected of God's people. And for us as God's people, how do we relate with God in his faithfulness and to demonstrate our own faithfulness? Number one, Trustfulness, by which we, uh, you know, uh, entrust something to the hand of God. Is that correct? And then keep trusting him. Is that correct? So you, in trustfulness, you entrust and then go on trusting. And then we turn around. We know that God has entrusted something on us. Are you following? And we have to make sure we hold on to what he entrusted on us. Uh, is anybody following? 
That one is called trustworthiness. Am I making sense to anybody? Yeah. Eh? So we, we are trustful to, toward God. And he also wants to be trustful toward us. In each case, from each side, the one entrusts and keeps trusting the other. We entrust something into God's hand. Are you following what I'm saying? And we keep trusting him. And he's 100% the same. He doesn't change. Guess what God turns around to do? He entrusts something. Do you know even your heartbeat is not your own? It's a gift from God. Entrusted into your hand. Are you following what I'm saying? The mouth I have is not mine. It is the mouth God put in me. Trusting that I will use it to do things for his kingdom. So he entrusted this mouth into me, and he's still trusting me to do it. Am I always, am I always uh, faithful with it? No, because he understood, he understands our own level. But as much as we walk, if we fall, we repent, and we know we commit ourselves again. But don't go and fall and say God understands. But stuff happens. He said temptations will come. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Okay. Please. What you're hearing today, uh, you know, there's a song we sing. We say, if, if trouble comes my way, comes from my way. Temptation will come your way. It's not a time for you to forget what you've been taught. And that's what I have to emphasize now. If you know that pastor has been teaching you well, I will expect that when troubles come, you behave accordingly. That's when I know, really, that my job is really affecting people. I, I like the testimonies. Every, the testimonies are true. Huh? Are they true? Okay. But testimonies go much more than what you say. It involves how you react when crisis comes. And I want to say to everybody here sitting looking at me, I have taught you people that there are ways of doing things in the house of God. Have I taught you that? Okay. That's why we have instructions. Anything, I don't care what your challenge is, there's a way to approach it that the world doesn't know about, that God's people are expected to go by. Not everywhere you do anything will be accepted of God. That's why the wise man says in the Bible, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is what? Death. Pay attention. It seems right unto a man. And for the fact that something seems right unto you doesn't mean you have to go and do it. You pause and sit down and say, what is the Bible? This thing seems right unto me, but what does the Bible say about it? Is that Christianity? What I'm saying, isn't that what the, the Bible expects of us? Here's what I want to do, but is that what the Bible says? That solves it. And I want to warn you, the Bible will not always agree with, with the way you feel. Are you all following me? Okay. All right, let's go to another matter. I know you came here for the third one. So uh, we'll go to the one. Faith as a spirit, as a faculty of apprehension and appropriation. Faith as a spiritual faculty of apprehension and appropriation. Or you can put it this way. Faith as a spirit sense organ. Okay? Faith, first, 
way of saying it, faith as a spirit, spirit faculty of what? Apprehension and what? Appropriation. Or you can say faith as a spirit sense organ. I will explain that. And you should know that one by now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said hallelujah. All right. So I'll, I'll begin by saying, and so its name, another, uh, the nickname for this kind of, the use of word faith is appropriating, uh, no, apprehending and appropriating faith. Apprehending and what? Appropriating faith. So from now on, I'll be calling it apprehending and appropriating faith is one. Amen? Or you can call it apprehending faith or you can call it appropriating faith. Actually, in most cases, you can hear appropriating faith. All right. So that's the simple name for it. Just in the same way that uh, faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit is called faithfulness. Are you following? Faith as a spirit sense organ for apprehension and, appreh uh, uh, and uh, appropriation is also known as, uh, as, as a spirit sense organ uh, or a, a faculty. Is that correct for apprehension and appropriation? But to say it in a simple way, it is called apprehending and what? Appropriating faith. Amen? So whenever I say apprehending or appropriating faith, you, you know I'm, I'm not referring as faith as a place where people belong, uh, to, uh, to, as a place where people belong, or referring to faith as a, 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 as a character, as a spiritual character, a, you know, or an attribute. But instead, faith as a, a, sp a spirit faculty, a faculty of the spirit or the soul. And so, this is the most commonest occurrence of the word faith in the whole Bible. New Testament or Old Testament. And this is the faith that Christians know the most about in the sense. That's the faith not really know the most about. That's the faith Christians mostly refer to when they talk faith. In my book, that's, I discuss all these forms of faith. I encourage you to study it. I know you, you don't have time for that. <laughs> Amen? But that's the major subject there, even though I discuss every form of faith. And that's why it's that thick. Because I don't believe in half measures. You know why people didn't know the other forms of faith? It's because they are never talked about. Am I right? That's why TLC, we do something different. We take time so that you don't go out with half measures. One thing I did about half measures, when we were children, they used to send us to stream to go and fetch water. Huh? Sometimes we say, oh, I can't carry that full bucket. That bucket is so big, so we fill it halfway. If you fill the bucket halfway, yes, it's lighter than a full bucket. But let me tell you what will happen. They put it on your head, you will see a chiropractor at the end. Because it will be shaking. Is that correct? It will be shaking because there's space there for the water to run around. So that's why a lot of Christians are shaking because they are not well taught. The space for the little they were taught to run around and cause confusion in their life. But when you fill the bucket well, you put it on there, you, can, you, you don't have to hold it. I, I, didn't we try it? Am I the only one? 
a full bucket. See, a half bucket, you have to hold it, and it's still shaking. And you know what? As it's shaking, you keep losing the water. But if it's a full bucket, now I see a lot of people who fetch water with their head. You don't even have to hold it. You can be, that bucket is stable there, you know, but not on your skull. You know, your skull can't hold it. We, we, we have a, a wrap, you know, band and put it on it. Instead, you can walk a mile without holding it, and you're chatting with the other person. Two of you are chatting. Am I right? That's what it looks like when you're well taught. Lord give you a short message, an arm. I call it an arm and a leg. Is that not correct? So this is the faith that Christians talk most about. And you know what? And it's the most common mention of faith in the Bible. Amen? So what do we mean by this faith? This is a faith as a spirit faculty or as a spirit sense organ. Or amen? by which the soul apprehends and appropriates by which or with which the soul does what? Apprehends uh, and appropriates spiritual or invisible realities. That's as global as it can be. And that's the function there. Praise God. And what do I mean by apprehend? If you say that this is, a, this is faith as a spirit faculty with which the soul apprehends. You know, let me put it this way. You know, and I say it's a spirit sense organ. Is that correct? What is the opposite of a spirit, of spirit sense organ? Anybody? Physical sense organs or natural senses. Is that correct? What do you do that, with that? You use them to apprehend physical or visible or audible, naturally visible or audible, what? Realities. Is that correct? Okay. Our natural eyes are meant for, for us to use to apprehend things like the chairs, the fans. With these natural eyes, I can apprehend that. With the natural ears, I can hear the sound of a car. Uh, with the, all the natural senses, I perceive the smell of food. Are you, are you following? The truth is that there are invisible realities, also known as spiritual realities. A reality is something that exists. Are you following? And not everything that exists are physical, that you can touch and feel. There are things that exist that are invisible. They are called spiritual realities. Anybody understanding what I'm talking about? Huh? So, whereas with the physical senses, you can relate with the physical realities. What do you need to relate with spiritual or invisible realities? Faith. Are you all following what I'm saying? So, faith in this form we are talking about now is a pair of spiritual eyes, a pair of spiritual ears, huh? a pair of spiritual nostrils, huh? a whole form of spiritual skin, and a spiritual tongue. Faith has all these parts. I'm telling you, and the Bible proves out of all of them. There's a chapter in my book that speaks of faith as a pair of eyes, faith as a pair of ears, faith as even a pair of, nost of nostrils. In that book, faith as even a tongue, and faith as skin. Praise the Lord. So when we say apprehend, we're talking of faith 
by apprehension, we mean to perceive something. Are you following? Huh? To perceive something. And when you perceive that thing, you identify it, or no, you perceive it or discern it. When you perceive it or discern it, then you're able to do what? Identify it. These are things that natural senses cannot. Are you all following? Amen? And when you identify it, then you, you recognize it. You recognize its presence. A- am I making sense to you? That's why this faith is called ap- apprehending faith. Okay? And when you rec- recognize it, then you get to know that thing. And you know that you know that you know that that thing is real. Even though it's not visible physically. Does anybody follow? That's the function of this faith we're talking about. And then, because you're able to know of it, then you become aware of it. And you can do what? Envision it. And you can do what? You can now, praise the Lord. You, you can now understand it. And somebody who is not using that faith says to you, how do you know? Haven't people asked you, how do I know that there is God? You know why they don't know? They have not used their apprehending faith. Are you all following what I'm saying? Have you had somebody ask you, how do I know that there is heaven? Don't laugh at them. Don't fight them. The issue is that they have not used their faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? They know there is a New York. Why? Because they see it on TV. And they have come to New York. I mean, I've traveled out of New York. And I've been to other states in the United States. And when you say people are from New York, it looks like you're from heaven. They say to you, New York. Say, I've been praying to be in New York. Okay? They hear about New York from afar, but I've been there. So in the physical realm, you can't tell me there's no New York. But for somebody, it's like, how is it out there in New York? Everything we hear, is it so? Because with his physical senses, he is not really appropriate. Yeah, he's seen it on TV, but it's different. So we are talking about spiritual things now. Things invisible. Are you following what I'm saying? You can only, uh, uh, you know, apprehend them or perceive them or discern them or, 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 or you know, uh, 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 identify them or get to know them by faith. That's why. And only faith can do this for you concerning spiritual things or spiritual realities. And it's not the faith that you belong to as a religious vocation that can do that. It's not the use of the word faith as a, 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 a faithfulness that does this. No, it's faith as a faculty, as a spirit sense organ. It say, am I communicating to anybody? Huh? All right. Of course, you, you also know what appropriation means, Right? But before we go to appropriation, uh, in this apprehension, for you to apprehend by your faith, remember the stages. I know you must have forgotten. Apprehension involves you perceiving. Is that correct? And after you perceive, you substantiate. Is that correct? After you substantiate, you get what? Convicted or convinced. Is that correct? And after that, what do you do? You reckon with. These are the four phases of your apprehending spiritual realities by faith. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we spent weeks on these aspects. Are you following? Huh? Now let's talk about appropriation before we go into scripture. You see, because this faith does what? 
apprehends. After it apprehends, what does it do? It tears up what? Belief. Huh? Without faith, there can be no belief. And when it tears up belief, what does belief do? Belief appropriates. Meaning, belief receives after faith shows him those realities. Belief lays hold on it. Huh? Appropriation. That's appropriation. Appropriation means to take something unto yourself. Take for instance, if faith shows somebody God, that God exists, you know what belief is expected to do? To take God unto themselves. <laughs> and get coming to God and get relationship with God. If, if faith shows somebody healing on the cross, what does belief do? He appropriates it, brings it, lays hold on it. And how does he do that? He, belief, gets after the conviction, the faith says, I'm convinced. Please take it. I'm convinced. What belief does is, belief is what first, what's the first step of belief? Huh? You can say conviction. Faith ends in conviction. Belief can begin in conviction. Okay? And that conviction, what will it lead to? Persuasion. Huh? After persuasion, persuaded to do what? To confess that. And or to do what? Act on that. And what, who else comes into business at that time? The Holy Spirit. What does he do? He now brings that spiritual reality out of the zone of the invisible. He brings it down to the zone of the visible. It's called manifestation. And what? Experience. That's why this kind of faith is called apprehending and what? Appropriating faith. Without faith, in this sense of meaning, you cannot get anything from God. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Eh? Are you following? Are you following? Okay. So, let's, let's also say, and one other thing I have to say before we go to Scripture is that this faith resides in every soul. Because God says, the Bible says that God has given to each one among you a measure of faith. This is the faith he's talking about. A measure of this kind of faith. This, let me say it this way. This is the basic level and form of faith for every human being. You know, I, you know what I believe? I believe that unbelievers have it. If an unbeliever doesn't have it, he couldn't have become a believer. The problem with unbelievers who have it and they have not become believers is because they have not exercised it towards God. That's why they have remained unbelievers. When people have it and refuse to use it, it's called evil heart of what? Unbelief. Are you following? It's a deliberate refusal to exercise faith. That's what unbelief is. And Bible calls it, the Bible calls it evil heart. Am I making sense to anybody? But every believer has it. But guess what? Not every believer exercises it normally. This is the kind of faith that Jesus' disciples said to them, increase our faith. He said to them, if you have it as a what? Mustard seed. You can do what? Move the mountain. What is the implication? It's as you use it that it grows. And don't even go to God and say to God to give you this kind of faith. He already gave it to you. Say so The Bible says he has given unto us a measure of faith. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 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 So let's look at scripture to see what the Bible says about this kind of faith. Go with me to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Amen. Amen. Let's see what the Bible. And after you get this message, after this teaching, wherever you see the word faith, you will know which kind of faith the Bible is talking about. And you act appropriately. Are you following what I'm saying? Huh? All right. Amen. You see, because you, okay, let me read the passages. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is what? The assurance, look at the word, the what? Assurance of what? Things, what? Hopes for. Stop right there. Let me explain that. Many people have struggled with that definition. And this is the only place in the whole Bible that faith was defined. Amen? And I call it an operational definition of faith. Say, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What are things hoped for? Let me show you things. what things hope for mean. Things hope for are spiritual, invisible things that you don't see physically. Uh, but you may even know that it exists somewhere. But faith now tells you that it exists somewhere. And when your faith tells you it exists somewhere, then you have an assurance that that thing exists. It is faith that gives you the assurance that the things you do not see, that you can only hope they were there. It's faith that gives you the assurance that they really exist. Things that your eyes and cannot see, your ears cannot hear ordinarily. And you long, you say, I wish... Let's say somebody is sick. You know, an unbeliever somewhere, amen, can wake up one day with a diagnosis and say, he hasn't heard about divine healing. He may say, I wish, and the doctor say, we can't do anything. The unbeliever say, I wish there's a way that I can be healed, even though the doctors say they can't cure me. Are you following? And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit can show him, well, there's healing somewhere. There's healing on the cross. But the doctor say they can't heal me. That means the end of the story. Are you following? That's what the natural ear tells him. But the spiritual ear can tell him at that time, say, no, there is a healing somewhere. And if he listens to that natural ear, right, he will get what? Assurance. He hoped that there was a healing. Why did he hope? Because he doesn't find one. He hopes there's another kind of healing out there. So when what faith does, faith moves something from the invisible distance and bring it, if it's something that God meant for you to have now, and bring it to the present. He moves it from hope into the present. He moves it from expectation into actualization. Am I speaking to somebody? That's the assurance of things, not what? Hoped for. Look at that. The what? The conviction of what? Things not seen. Not seen by what? Natural senses on and ear, eyes and ear, head, okay? But the inner spiritual one says, even though you cannot see it by the natural eyes, the inner spiritual eyes, which is a part of faith, says, look at them. They are there. Am I making sense to anybody? That's faith. 
Amen? Alright. Go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. He said, by faith we do what? Understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. You know what the ordinary unbelievers believe? They say the word came by what they call the big bang theory. In other words, something exploded. Bam! That's why we have the world we live in, the earth. Have you heard of the big bang theory? <laughs> but the man of faith said, no. I saw God create it. God spoke the world into being. That's what the faith will tell you. Is that, is that, is that not what everybody here believes? Do you believe that the, the, the earth just came out, out of explosion? No. The Bible, Genesis 1, tells us that God sat down and called everything on earth. Faith shows us there are people who are struggling to take that in. They cannot because they are not using their faith. This afternoon I was made aware of a scientist at Harvard. A scientist at Harvard who has repented and said that faith now helps him understand science better. He wrote a book on that. And I, read, I wrote the, the little commentary on the book, at the back of the book. He's agreeing with what I wrote on this book. He has a PhD in science. In science of the earth. <laughs> so, you see how grace is, how gracious God is. You are not a scientist. You're just studying Genesis 1. You saw. What a scientist had to get a PhD and fight against with his PhD and then repent and say, faith is higher than science. Does anybody follow what I'm saying here? See, by faith, we understand. I tell you, see verse 3. People go to university and PhD to understand <laughs> how the world came about and they don't get it. All the best they can say is the Big Bang Theory. But they say, by faith, we understand that the world, that's the universe, we are prepared by the what? The word of God. So that what is what? Sin was not made out of the things which are what? Next. Which are, which are visible. You, you, you see, that, that's the same thing we've been saying. What you see came out of the invisible. I've given you this illustration before, right? If I ask you, what is this? This part of this chair. What is it? Tell me. Iron. Is that not iron? Yes. And we are right. You know why we call it iron? Just immediately. Because that's what we see with our physical eyes. Amen? But you know that this is not the real essence. This iron has an essence. A substance behind this iron. What is it called? I thought you were scientists. Atoms and electrons. Can you see them? The answer is no and yes. Yeah, seriously. The answer is no. I accept the no. You know why you cannot see them? Because they cannot be seen with what? Natural senses. But you can still see them. With what? Microscopes. Are you full? Is that correct? If you go to the lab and the scientists say, come and see. You put your eyes into the microscope. He asks you, you see those things bubbling there? You say, yeah. What I do is say is the ions... Atoms and electrons. That's how faith is. Faith is like a pair of microscopes. So that when the physical eyes cannot see something, 
you put your faith on as a pair of glasses, as a pair of microscope, as a pair of binoculars, you see something behind what is visible. You hear something behind what is audible. Am I making sense? Let me read this definition of faith from the Jerusalem Bible. Not the New Jerusalem Bible. Uh, unfortunately, in the New Jerusalem Bible, they went back to the old way of defining faith. But, I, 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 you know, when I was writing this book, God gave me this definition. The definition. God gave me direct. I said, let me check the versions of the Bible. I had known the King James for years. I had known the New American Bible version for years. I started looking at other versions. I saw this definition that God gave me in two versions. One is the New Jerusalem. The next time I tell you the other one. I, I, I know you can't find the, New, the Jerusalem Bible there. The Jerusalem Bible. Can you find it for me? So that everybody can see it by themselves. I can read it out. But I want people to see it. Jerusalem Bible. Give me Hebrews 11.1. 1. I have a copy here. But if you can find it, you guys, computer jet age people, you can, you can do all things over there. I mean, you guys are amazing. You can't find it. Okay, I'll read it from here. In Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's very interesting. I wrote it in my book. I know you didn't read it. So I'm going to give it for, uh, read it for you. Are you ready? Huh? And after you can go back to the book. I explained it and you see the other version. I can't do that other version today. Here's what the Jerusalem Bible, how it defined faith. It said, only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for. Did you hear that? Are there blessings you have been hoping for? Now, these are not blessings God has kept for the future. They are blessings you need when? Now. What is your guarantee for it? You know, when you don't have guarantee for something, what, 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 what do you get into? If you don't have a guarantee, what do you get into? Uh, you'll be scared, yes? Very good. But before they're scared, they scare. Mm, yeah, there's something else that goes with being scared. Worry. Again, very good. That's another thing. You guys are escaping the most religious of those things. Huh? Fear, she said that, scare, worry. Very good. But there's a more, a, a more religious enemy there. Doubt. Doubt. Have you ever bought something? And after you paid, you say, you feel like, let me get out of here. Let me get, that's what you feel. And then you, especially that thing is expensive. And you ask for price. You haggle for price. They give you. And just when you feel you're done, you say, do you want warranty? You say, no. You get by the door. It could be your wife or yourself say to you, you never know. These things are not perfect. Too. You better buy you. you. Go buy. By the way, how much is it? 150 for two years. 300 for four years. No. You get to the door. <laughs> you don't know, you come back. Why? Because you don't have a sense of guarantee. Even the factory that makes that thing puts a one-year factory guarantee. Is that correct? Or warranty. And that's what God has done for us by giving us faith. The moment, it doesn't matter what's happening, and the provision is not there you, you, by the physical. You don't feel that God is there. Faith shows you that God is there. Faith shows you that there's a divine provision for that. Am I speaking to someone? Huh? Dear Lord. So that's what the Jerusalem Bible is saying. It says, by what? By faith. He said, only by faith. Listen to that. Only by faith. I know you people go start buying Jerusalem Bible now. Only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for. Listen to this. 
or prove the existence of the realities that at the present time remain unseen. Do you understand that? Or do what? Prove the what? Existence of the what? The realities that at the present time remain what? Unseen. Meaning, when you, are, when you feel like God is not there, that's what the physical senses tells you. Put on your pair of glasses known as faith. You will see God. You didn't understand. You did not understand. When you think that finances are not there, and the Bible is the thing that will speak to you. Speak to your faith. The finances are not there. The Bible said to you, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How he was what? Rich. Yet for your sake he what? Became what? Poor. In order that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. He said, where is it? You go to, I just came out from my ATM, the ATM machine. I, I, I don't have enough money. I just came from there. There's no enough money. No, God is not working by all these things. Faith is giving you the guarantee. How about healing? I was talking to somebody earlier today. If I, if I call her name, you know her. And we're greeting each other. I called her and we're greeting each other. And she reminded me. Her birthday is coming next month, early next month. And he said that would be 42 years after God healed her of sickle cell disease. You know, it's an incurable disease. <laughs> I'm sure the night they diagnosed it, it's like the end of the world has come. Do you understand what I'm saying? But faith guarantees that that incurability, the healing that is not there in the physical, in the doctor's office, in the hospitals, is somewhere in the spirit realm, on the cross of Calvary. And you can bring it down. You can see it by faith and hear it by faith and you can bring it down. Um, are you, is somebody hearing me? Is anybody hearing me? All right, turn with me to Psalms 119. Let me, I'm, I'm introducing this faith to you as an apprehending and appropriating faculty by which you will see, uh, apprehend and appropriate. Are you there? Okay, Psalms 119 verse 18. Verse 18. Amen. Verse 18. It says, open my eyes. King David was saying, open my eyes. It's not physical eyes. Is anyone listening to this? In order that I may what? Behold what? Wonderful things from your what? Your law. Let me ask you, where does faith apprehend the things he shows you? Where, where is the source of his information? The word of God. Please understand me. The word of God. So you know you can walk about with your inner spiritual eyes, known as faith, closed. You know that? And David realizes that. He said, open my eyes. What is David asking for? Lord, quicken my faith. Because the faith is there. Notice that David didn't say, God, give me a pair of eyes. And I want you to know the eyes David is talking about, not physical eyes. I want you to understand. Are you, are you following? All right. Turn with me. Let's go quickly. I know we're almost out of time. Turn with me to um, Matthew 13, 13 to 15. Quickly, Matthew 13, 13 to 15. It's just showing you this faith as apprehending and appropriating faculty. Amen? Amen. Uh, did I say Matthew what? 15 or 13? 13. 
15. Let's go to 15. Here's what Jesus said about faith. He said, for the heart of these people has become what? Dull. He was actually quoting Isaiah. You see, faith in the heart can become dull. It's there, but it can become dull. A believer, a new covenant believer has faith, but it can become dull. Are you hearing me? That you come to, go to the church or you open your Bible in order to quicken it. It's there, but it's dull. Okay? Has become dull. With their, with their ears, they do what? Scarcely hear. It's not talking about physical ear. That's why when Jesus was speaking, he will always say, he that has ears, let him hear. You know, he's not talking about this here. Because he's looking at people who has both, too. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So there's an ear he's talking about. It's called the inner ear. It's called the spirit ear. And this outer one hears what? Sound. God showed me. I said, God, tell me, what's the difference? He said, the outer one hears what? Sound. I said, how about the inner ear? He said, he hears things. Spiritual realities. Are you following? You know, because you can be hearing my sound, but you're not hearing the things I'm revealing. So with their ears, their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have what? Close their eyes. They have shut down their faith. Next verse. Is it possible? Otherwise, they will see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and receive healing. <laughs> and return, and I will do what? Heal them. That's why many of them came without faith and couldn't receive a thing from him. But those who came with faith received instantly. I told you that there were people he didn't have to pray for. You know why? Because they came with their faith charged. And when they confront him and tell him, and when he saw they received already, he wouldn't pray for them. He said, let it be unto you according to your word, faith. Because their faith has, has already apprehended before they came to him. And when they came to him, they used their faith to appropriate. I, it's like, what am I praying for them for? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Am I making sense to you? Huh? All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Hallelujah. This is appropriate, apprehending and appropriating faith. Amen? All right. Sometimes you won't even see the word faith when they are being spoken about. So, so faith comes from what? Hearing. Okay. That's not outer hearing. The outer hearing helps. It brings the sound. But look at the inner hearing. And hearing, that's the inner hearing. That second one is the inner hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. Did you notice that? So the word of God comes as a sound from the voice of the speaker. Or you're looking at it, you get it in. But you can end there. That's what we call hearing. Hearing is when you are sitting here and I'm speaking, you're hearing the sound. But out of the sound, you grasp a truth. It's called rema. That rema is the hearing. Have you ever sat down and listened to a, a preacher or a teacher? He says something. You've heard it before. But that moment, you're getting something new. That's rema or what? Hearing. At that time, that's when you're getting hearing or what? Rema. And you can't wait for the service to be over because you want to go and act on that thing. Is that not true? Ephesians 1, quickly. Ephesians 1. That wasn't in my outline, but let me give you as an extra. 
Ephesians 1, I think verse 18. Paul was praying. Paul was praying. And I'm going to ask you a question on that one too. Go to verse, I believe verse 18. Uh, oh, yes. Paul was praying for believers in, in, in the city of Ephesus. Say, I pray that the eyes of your what? Ah, you know that that's not the eyes that sit on the face, on your head. You know that. So what's another word, name for that eyes of your heart? Faith. Maybe what? Enlightened with what? The word of God. So that you will do what? Apprehend. No. Woo. Discern. Get your, wake up everybody. Come on. I can't be hollering here. You're sleeping. Amen. This is very important. See, faith is not difficult to understand. It's not. So that you, you, will, you will know what is the hope of his calling. Without faith, you will not know these things. And what are the what? Next. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. One word there is grace. Without faith, you will not know, understand grace. And what is the surpassing what? Greatness of his what? Power toward who? Us who do what? Who will act on our faith? As we act on what faith shows us, the power is released. These are in, the, in accordance with what? The walking of the strength of his might. The power, the strength, the might is there. It's waiting for your faith to show you what he has said. And then you respond with your belief and the power is released. You don't go praying for power. No. You let faith show you what is in existence and you let your belief kick in. Power, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. He will step in. The Holy Spirit is so hungry and thirsty for someone's belief and believing. Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah. Remember Elisha's servant? Huh? Remember when they were ambushed, he and his master, right? He was caught up with fear. Is that correct? And with doubt. And let me tell you, unless you understand the faith this way, didn't he know that his master was a mighty man of God? He knew. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you know. Your faith needs to be fresh all the time. Because what you know, you think you know. You, I know my master. Nothing can happen. When John go mature, everybody's shaking. Is that not why we said what we said in, earlier in the service? He said, Master, alas, we have perished. How could you be with Elisha? And you think that, um, um, uh, um, um, that unbelievers will kill you? But when something comes on you suddenly, if you don't have your faith ready, you will be as fearful as the man on the street. Did you hear me? That's why you must have, you, you lay hold on your faith. Lay hold on your faith. Ha, don't let anything weaken your faith. Don't let anything deflect your faith. Don't let anything affect your faith. Don't let things like anger, they eat up your faith. Bitterness, doubt, all of these things are needles. Let me tell you, let me show you what they do to your faith. Two, two examples I can give you. Have you been driving on a car? Everything is going well. Is that correct? All of a sudden, your, your tire step on the, knee, in, on the nail. A big nail. And you see the, the tire pressure reduction indicator. You know something wrong. That journey is going to take a break. That's how when you allow these things to puncture the tires of your faith. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Can I give you another one? If this child has come with a balloon now, jumping up and so on and so forth, all you need to do 
to distract him and get him to cry. He's enjoying his balloon. You take a needle known as doubt. You take a needle known as fear. You take a needle known as gossip. You take a needle known as bitterness. You take a needle known as troublemaking. You take a needle known as anger. Each of them will puncture that balloon known as faith. He said, alas, master, we are perishing. The man woke up. That was a man of faith. And that's the next level of faith we are going to talk about. His kind of faith is on a different level. He has this one, but there's another level. After this one, I'll show you another level. Get ready for that. It's tremendous. Amen. Amen? So you know what happened? Elijah said, what's wrong? He described the, and what he saw was exactly, but you know the difference. He was looking with the physical senses. Elisha was looking with the spiritual senses. Are you all listening? What did Elisha say at the end? After the report, he said, Lord, open his what? Eyes. What is Elisha praying? Uh, nothing else. Elisha didn't say, God, give him faith. He said, no. It's like quicken his faith. That he may do what? See that what? Those who are for us are more than those who are for us. Let me ask you a question. Those who are against them, what kind of those are those? Huh? Physical human beings. Ambience. Mighty. Great. So he uses his natural senses and sees thousands of soldiers on the mountain with real physical soldiers, physical uh, chariots, physical fire. But if you see this fire, hey, yeah, yeah. He was, the tongue of the fire is big, big ball of fire. You know how fire is born. It's, uh, it's like California fire. Ooh, master, we perished. Elisha was dreaming. He woke him up. Elisha said, what is that? He told him. Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he will see that those who are for us are greater. Okay, what kind of those are those who are for them? Anybody? What did he see? Yeah, spiritual. So what did the man see? Huh? Hosts of heavenly hosts. You know who they are? Angels. Do you see them with physical eyes? No. But they were there. No, no, Elijah didn't say, God, now, you see what my servant said? Send your angels. Send them, Lord. Send them, Lord. No. Elijah said they are here. Why? Because already by faith before that time, Elijah has read in the Bible where he said, the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Praise the Lord. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. The fact that you don't see them does not, with your physical eye, does not mean they are not encamping around. So Elisha is like, Lord, you know, I can't bother you asking you to send soldiers. You know, all you have to do is to open my servant's eye. And he opened his eye. You know what he said? He saw angels and saw spiritual horses. And he saw what? The real fire. The other ones didn't really have fire. He now saw fire on these ones. Does anybody follow? Eh? So you know the grace you're going home with today is that you have this apprehending faculty. You and I have this apprehending faculty. You and I have this apprehend appropriating faculty. It's called faith. The Bible calls it, you know, some people call it faith to live by. It is the faith you use to see what God has for you and take it on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. 
And when you make it very regular, and when you appreciate it, you will be faithful to God. See the difference? And when you know the worth of it, you will remain in the faith. No, you didn't get that. I know the tape is not cutting it. I will put it on, on, on Thursday. Let me say this to you. This is the faith you use on a moment-to-moment -moment basis to see and to take what God has in stock for you. That is known as grace. Hmm? I say, when you appreciate it, you will continue to exercise it. And if you know its value, you don't want to lose it, so you'll be faithful to God. Because God is faithful in making sure that faith works for you. And when you appreciate it and you get faithful to God, you will see to it that you remain where? In the faith. If you got what I just said, stand to your feet. Come on, give him a clap. Oh, no, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Oh, come on. You know what I feel like? We Come on, give him a big clap. Give him a big clap. Give him a big clap. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Woo. You know, did you get a new thing tonight? Huh? 